Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Today we'll be joined by one of the very first female editors for DC Comics, Barbara Friedlander, talking all about her career. Then we'll talk the music of What If from the Disney Plus Marvel series with composer Laura Karpman. All that and more, stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. And if you don't know, Star Trek and Star Wars will try to explain. There are 12 doctors for Hogwarts houses, one ring rolls and more. For those of you driving around the greater St. Louis area right now, hearing us on the big 550 KTRS, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, We hope you enjoyed the best of Outdoors, Dan. This is a live show. We're live right now on the KTRS, but the interviews you're about to hear are pre-recorded. It's a holiday weekend, and uh, it's hard to have a live guest because a lot of people want to enjoy the long weekend, which is perfectly fine. But we have two great interviews that I've been wanting to share anyway. Uh, When I go to these comic cons, like we just went to Planet Comic Con not that long ago, Terrific Con is one of my very favorite conventions I get to go to each year. And it's up in Uncasville, Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun. Gorgeous facility up there. And Mitch Halleck, who we've had on the show a few times before talking comics and nerd stuff, uh, he puts on a fantastic show. One of the guests he had there was Barbara Friedlander, who I was very excited to speak with. She's one of the first editors, a female editors from DC Comics. And she worked on a lot of titles, some of the romance novels and Swing with Scooter, who's a character she created. So a lot of you who may have been collecting comics in the 50s and 60s probably still have, if you kept your comics, some of her creations in your collection. So it was very cool to be able to sit down and talk with her. And I'm going to bring you that interview right now. We're here chatting with Barbara Friedlander, one of the very first, if not the first, female editor for DC Comics. I I wasn't the first. Okay. Zena, I believe Zena Brody was the first. Okay. However, I was the first uh, woman to ever create a character, and that's Scooter, right here. And that was many, many years ago, but Scooter ran for quite a while, had a few incantations, but uh, I'm very proud of him because as I look back on my career, no other woman really did that yeah. at that time. And Well, let's jump right in with that. So creating a character, what was, uh, did one of the editors say, hey, we need a new character for this? Did you come to them with that idea? How did, how did Scooter, what was his origin story? Scooter was born, and I was his mommy, and they said, we need another character not like Archie, and Scooter was not at all like Archie, uh, and you should create him, and so I did. I was, uh, I'm a co-editor of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm listed in the DC archives as a creator because he really was created by me and the wonderful, wonderful artist Joe Orlando, who 
gave him his face and gave all of his cronies and characters in there their personality. And a lot of times writers will, obviously it's their creation, they'll stay with the book for the whole run. The artist might switch out. Did Joe stay with you on the whole run of the book? Uh, I stayed for 11 issues of them, and Joe was doing 11 issues. When I left D.C., he became, I believe he was the editor then. And he did a few more issues, and then they changed to Scarpelli. And they changed the whole look of the book, so Hmm. it became more cartoony, which was fine. It stayed that way. Uh, I had nothing to do with it at the time, but that's that's how it ended. So this might be a weird question. I mean, it's a curveball or not, but with all these comic book properties, people are digging in and turning them into movies. If they were to make a live action swing with Scooter, can you envision? Can you envision an actor now who would play him? Well, he was based on Paul McCartney, and he even oh, looks yeah, a little yeah, yeah. like Paul. Little Paul McCartney's a little bit too old, but gee, any one of those great-looking guys that that make movies and wonderful-looking character parts for everyone. So I think, yes, that's who I would, you know, consider. Ryan Gosling or something. Oh, yeah, there you go. See? Ryan Gosling, if you're watching this. I had to bring up my my inner... A movie lover. There you go. I, I love movies. So, are, are, do you keep up with all the comic book movies that are going on now? Uh, do you kind of watch them and kind of like, eh, it's not for me, or yes, I really like this one? Or Well, I love everything they've done with Wonder Woman. Yes. I, I sincerely love that. I am not a, a comic uh, character junkie in the sense that I go to every movie. But when I worked, uh, when my children were young, I took them to Superman, Batman, and stuff like that. I I loved that because I knew uh, Bob Kane and yeah. I, I knew Finger. So it was, you know, home again, seeing the characters come to life. Yeah. I love the way they were portrayed. Uh, and I, I also uh, loved the Superman movie. I thought it was terrific. Yeah, really good stuff. Christopher Reeve, he's yeah. still the, the bar. He really was. Yeah. He was beautiful. Beautiful man. And obviously you went to Hunter College. You kind of needed a job, you know, in your early life. Exactly. That's exactly how it happened. <laughs> I needed a job. I went to one interview at a watch company, and it was... I wasn't interested. And the next one, they hired me right away. <laughs> I guess they were desperate because I had no experience filing. I was a file clerk. And then I became... Interest. I was taking uh, writing classes at Hunter and regular classes at Hunter, and I got involved with writing. And uh, my mentor was Jack Miller, who mm-hmm. could write anything, and he did write everything. He wrote adventure. He wrote all kinds of stuff. And he was then the editor of Romance. And so I got involved through that that uh, doorway, and it was fun. And I would think, like you, we mentioned early on, you actually collected Archie and Millie the Model and all those comics, so you kind of already had kind of a concept of what it was going in, so that must have helped you when you finally started the writing up for these. Well, I had... The one thing I never read was romance. Okay. Because it wasn't in my uh, wheelhouse of wanting to be... I wanted to be Millie the Model, or I wanted to be Brenda Starr. I loved yes. Brenda Starr. That's a classic. And... Uh, so the romance stuff was a little bit too much for me. 
But uh, when I got to D.C. and I started writing it, I got adapted to it. You have to, yeah. or you don't have a job. So. Is it like throwing into the deep end of the pool, or do they kind of ease you I, in? Nobody eases anybody. <laughs> in those days, you either did it or you, you were out. It was a very small shop, D.C. at the time. Yeah. It didn't have all the arms and legs that it has now with different people doing different artwork. It was closed. It was the kind of a shop that you wanted to get into, mm -hmm. the same way you wanted to do Marvel, yeah. because they were doing wonderful things. But you really had to be on top of your game, and it is a visual medium. Yeah, yeah. So the artist was all important in that. And I was, I was thrilled to have Joe as my artist. I was thrilled to have Scott Pike as my, my uh, artist. He was the quintessential uh, drawer of beautiful women. And I started, when I was there, I started three uh, continuing soap operas because I loved soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> and they continued long after I left. Yeah. And so, with, with a book that you created, like Scooter, uh, mm -hmm. was did you get to pick Joe Orlando, or was he assigned to you? Was DC no. kind of, no, this is who you're getting? Well, Joe Orlando was right there, and he got the job. He was perfect for that job, because he had worked for Mad Magazine. He had done wonderful, wonderful artwork through his career. And so, he was, he was the one. He was yeah. the one. And... and Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. And when you start a new uh, venture, you sort of latch on to people that you know are going to be really terrific yeah. at what they do because you want it to work. Yeah. You really want it to work. And you think of working uh, as a female in the 60s, and again, uh, we don't do politics on the show, but it's obviously now with the Me Too stuff and everything, you, you mentioned you saw Mad Men on AMC, and you said it's, it was a lot like that. It was. was. But being, being a female editor, you would think, okay, you've gotten some level up. Was, was it still an uphill battle for it you? It was an uphill battle because that was an all-boys shop. Yeah. And these were men who had been through the war, and they had families to support. And I was not anywhere near what they were doing. They, they were just completely different, very interested in their own stuff. Mm. And when they, you know, looked at me, it was like, really, what is she doing here? <laughs> but I was not involved in any of their books. Right. So I didn't step on their toes. I just stepped on their egos. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> but like being able to create your own character and everything, surely there must have been at least like, okay, Barbara's doing this, and it was well, any... I can tell you that. So uh, Saul Harrison, who was the head of production at the time, he was wonderful. He was all for anybody who had any talent. Uh, he, he encouraged a lot of people just didn't encourage. They, you know, they wanted their own stuff to work. They were in their own little office, yeah. and that was it. And that was perfectly good because they were focused. They were incredibly focused people. And you're doing these conventions now. People are finding you and still, like, loving your work and everything. And you've got a new book out, if I'm not mistaken, yes? This book here is called Another Time, Another Place. The cover was done by Ramona Fraden. Oh, wow. And she did my 
wonderful Brenda Starr years ago. <laughs> so she's uh, doing the cover. And another time, another place is different love stories from different periods of time. And I am so looking forward to this uh, coming out because it is almost an old-fashioned love story, but with updates. It's a clean love story, but wonderful, wonderful stories. Yeah. Good stuff that you can sink your teeth into. And we obviously, we always tell people to support your local comic book stores and your local bookstores, but if people can't get to a local, is it going to be on online available? Hopefully. I'm not, right now, I'm just promoting it. Mm -hmm. I did all the scripts for it. And this is some of the artwork over here and over here. And we are now in the production end of okay. it. So I, I can't give you any more information. So it might be in stores by Christmas time, or hopefully? I d I, I'm not saying anything. Okay. Gotcha. I, wish it, I wish it would. I <laughs> if people is there is there a website people can go to pre-order or check out more of your stuff or anything like that a website or a um, is there a website on this here well that's scooter comics scooter comics at gmail.com is the email address we'll put a link to that in the show notes too so anyone who's right. watching this or listening to it can uh, get that link if you want any information about this book uh, we are happy to give it to you happy to tell you the progress. So we'll definitely follow it. And are you on are you on social media too? Twitter, Instagram, I'm or anything on like Twitter. that? Okay. I'm on Twitter and my uh, the name of my Twitter is SOS Love Slash Life SOS. Okay. And I'm also the love guru for all of you people. <laughs> so have people come to the con and ask you some romantic like to help you with some romantic stuff yet? I haven't really put up that sign. Okay. Yet, because it keeps falling down. I've heard a lot of guys at the comic books. My wife's going to kill me when I bring this book home. So, yeah. if you need relationship advice, well, you guys I, I can tell you where to hide out. I can show you how to get a good disguise. Right. But if your wife's going to kill you, she's going to kill you. See, and we you, you heard it right that. from her. We so. know this from comic books. Yeah, they're going to get you. Your your doom is sealed. So don't even worry about it. Don't just, you go know. home. Do not pass go. <laughs> Buy up everything you want and go. She's an expert, so you got to listen to the experts on yes, this. Yes, I've written about that <laughs> several times. Very cool. Barbara Freelander, this has been absolutely a delight. Thanks so much for your time today and continued Thank success you, to you. Love. Thank you, my love. Thank you. And it's one of the reasons I love going to these conventions is because you get to meet people like Barbara, these uh, legends who have been in the industry and have done so much. And to talk to a creator who actually had a hand in creating these characters, uh, I took one of my I, I ordered it on eBay. I got a swing with Scooter comic book and it was an issue that had a bunch of Batman stuff on the cover. So I thought, well, that's that's kind of cool because I never really got into the romance one growing up or anything like that. But I thought it'd be a fun one to have her sign and got CGC graded. So I'm uh, looking forward to that coming back from CGC. But as far as her Twitter handle, I wanted to give that out because the one she gave, I think, was an inactive one. So if you're wanting to follow Barbara or find out more about that book that she has coming out, her uh, Twitter handle is at Barbara Friedlaw 2. So it's Barbara, B-A-R-B-A-R-A, F as in Foxtrot, R I. E D L A in the numeral two. You can follow her there and uh, you can keep up with her. Maybe get a hold of that book she's got. Uh, just it's great to talk to these creators. And it's it's one of those things. The reason I do the conventions, the reason I go to these conventions is because I get to talk to these people. And uh, Joe Giello, the world's oldest uh, Batman artist who's still around. He was there signing books 
and got to chat with him briefly. Uh, at Planet Comic Con, Roy Thomas was basically handpicked by Stan Lee to be his successor when Stan kind of stepped away from Marvel Comics. So Roy is the guy who created Vision. If you just got done watching WandaVision, he created that character. Uh, Kill Raven, a bunch of other characters that he has under his belt. So it's great to talk to these people, get to meet them, kind of get to pick their brains a little bit, just like we had Rick Burchett in studio last week, uh, or week before I think it was, talking about... Uh, his work in comic books and his career, 40 years, I think, this month, he said. So, Rick, again, if you're listening, congratulations on 40 years, buddy. That's amazing. Um, but it's always fun, and hopefully you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoy getting to talk to these people. Hopefully you enjoy hearing them. We're going to take another quick commercial break. We still have more on geek to me Radio to come. So if you stand by, we'll be right back. Hey there, this is Tress McNeil, and you're listening to Geek to Me, and James is the cute one. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek to Me Radio. Uh, I want to make sure we tell you about our official movie sponsor, Marcus Theaters. MarcusTheaters.com is the website. Lots going on. If you want to get out and see a movie here for Labor Day weekend, this is the great time to do it. Uh, they've got the Sunday passport right now, Sunday, September 12th through December 12th. You buy one of these passports, you get four movies that are on the list for $20. You also get 20% off your concessions during that time. So this is a great time to go out and grab that passport, check out the movies you want to see coming up September 12th through December. Uh, a lot of great movies are out and playing right now. That new Cinderella movie is out. Obviously, Marvel's Shang-Chi is in theaters. For Labor Day weekend, if you're listening right now, you've got tomorrow, Monday the 6th, $2 hot dogs in studios. And, of course, this is Labor Day weekend, September 3rd through the 6th. There's the Harry Potter Magical Movie Showcase where they're showing all, what is it, eight or nine Harry Potter movies? I think it's eight movies. What am I saying? Eight movies. Uh, you can check them out for a very low price. A lot of great movies to look forward to. The No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie, Dear Evan Hansen, the live performance of that. Um, and, of course, join their Magical Movie Rewards program. You get a free complimentary popcorn on Tuesdays, and you basically get rewarded for going to see a movie. So if you're going to go see a movie anyway... Show your Magical Movie Rewards card when you buy your concessions, when you buy your tickets, put your number in online if you want to buy your tickets that way, and you will end up getting points that go toward either concessions or money off your movie ticket or something like that. And also, one of the things that's a lot of fun to do, especially if you're kind of uh, getting back into the swing of things, you can get a private cinema. You can go to the website, again, MarcusTheaters.com, and rent a private theater for you and up to, I think I think, a total of 20 people. And it's starting at $99, depending on what state you're in and everything like that. But it's a great way to go see a movie. You pick out a movie. You go see it with 20 of your friends or so in your own theater. It's kind of nice, a little thing if you want to do for uh, a birthday party or something like that. And it's never a bad time to go see movies. I've I've talked about on this show before how much I missed movies during the pandemic. I went right out as soon as they opened. It was a year ago that they opened, actually, because I saw Tenet. In the movie theaters on uh, Labor Day weekend last year. So it's been a, a full year already, which is kind of hard to think about. But it's never a bad time to go see movies. Also, download the Marcus Theaters app for your smartphone. That way you can actually, if you're out and about, let's say you're driving around. Oh, I'm not sure which theater is closest to us right now. Pull up the app. It'll tell you the theater closest to you. You can even buy your tickets and your concessions right through the app. The concessions will be waiting and ready for you at the theater from a more contactless experience 
Uh, it's a great time to go see movies, and nobody does it better than Marcus. Marcus Theaters and Movie Tavern. Once again, the website, MarcusTheaters.com, for the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. So this segment, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we've got, I don't know, if, for those of you who are listening, maybe you tune in every Sunday, if you're, or maybe you're hanging out after Outdoors Dan, and you're very kindly listening to this show. Uh, we appreciate your tuning in here on the Big 550 KTRS and listening to geek to me Radio. Uh, we do an online show as well, so I'm actually doing two shows a week because I'll get these interviews like the one you just heard with Barbara Friedlander and the one you'll hear coming up with Laura Cartman, and I'll get these interviews. Uh, if I didn't air them regularly, I'd, I'd build them up. I'd have too many interviews. So during the week, we put out an online show. It's strictly online, and it's different from the ones you'll hear here. So while this one will go up in the podcast form, wherever you get your podcast, if you're listening on Stitcher or uh, Google uh, Google play or if you're listening on apple podcast wherever you're you're hearing us on anchor whatever um, we do an online show as well which is strictly online and this week we've got a great interview with director producer joel swasson who did stuff like dracula 2000 which is a, a favorite movie of mine the prophecy series with christopher walken which is really good if you uh if you have seen the movie you know what i'm talking about but we got an interview with him talking about a brand new film that he's got out called my best worst adventure which is already uh, looking very good. It might even pick up some awards here and there for uh, the season coming up. But I think if you get out and see that one, it's streaming only, I think, as of right now. I think as of September 1st, uh, you can catch it streaming. But uh, great movie and great guy. Had a great chat with him. Also, gaming legend Walter Day. So I mentioned I was at Planet Comic Con. They had a gaming expo thing set up with all these vintage arcade games, which immediately drew me in. But there's a guy who founded the Twin Galaxies. He's been around. He's basically the godfather of video games. And to talk with this guy, his knowledge level is just intense. Great conversation with Walter Day. So that's something you'll only get online. So what you could do is go to geektomeradio.com. That's my website, geektomeradio.com. You can play around there and see the other people we've interviewed. Uh, this online show we're going to be dropping later this week is episode 256. So obviously, if you're just brand new, there's a back catalog to get through. But we've got it sorted by celebrity. So you can go onto the website, click on celebrity interviews, and it'll be in alphabetical order. So if you want to find my interview with Rob Paulson from the Animaniacs, or you want to find my interview with John Glover from Smallville and Gremlins and everything like that, uh, you can find those interviews very quickly. And we also, if the more you poke around the website, that kind of helps my search engine optimization. But also, if you wouldn't mind, since we're talking about everything, go to YouTube.com. Usually online, we'll stream our live shows here in studio on YouTube and on Twitch. Um, it, with having a couple of pre-recorded guests, I figured it'd probably be a good idea if we didn't just put it on video because that's just me standing here pushing buttons. And that's not very fun to look at. Not that I'm fun to look at most of the time. But uh, that way, Joey could have the night off. Joey B's usually right here with me, but he's, uh, I told him to take the night off because there's no reason for him to come in to set the video stuff just to hear me play pre-recorded interviews. So normally you can find us on Twitch and YouTube. So if you wouldn't mind, if you're listening right now, huge favor, check out YouTube.com. Find geek to me Radio and hit the subscribe button and then also hit the little bell notification. That way you'll get a notification every time a brand new show comes up when we drop a new one. And we're dropping two a week, like I mentioned. Also, if you're not already doing so, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at geek to me Radio on both those platforms. And obviously, Facebook.com is another one of the platforms where we stream the video live for this show every week here on the Big 550. So Facebook.com slash geek to me Radio. And you can give that page a like there. You'll get a notification every time we go live. If you're on Facebook, you can watch it on your computer, your laptop, your desktop, your phone, whatever you'd like to do. 
And as Forrest Gump would say, that's all I have to say about that. So thank you for listening to me ramble on. Uh, like I said, we've got another interview. If you've been watching What If, a couple weeks ago we had Tom Brevoort, Marvel Comics editor, on the show. And we were talking about What If, kind of gearing up. And it's already been a month because <laughs> it seems like it blew by pretty quick. But if you're watching What If, and if you are, shoot me a text. Let me know how it's going on the KTRS text lines at 84126. If you're watching What If, let me know what you thought about it. If you liked the episode, if you had one episode you've liked in particular out of the four that have come out, uh, this fourth and most recent episode I felt was more like the comic books than any of the other episodes so far. But we've got an interview coming up here just in a few minutes with Laura Cartman, who does all the composing for the music of What If. And it was brilliant to talk to her. I've actually had her spouse on Nora Kroll Rosenbaum talking about one of her projects. So it was kind of cool that I got to talk to both of them. Uh, but music is, uh, I, I grew up, I played in orchestra in grade school and everything like that. So I have a great fondness for people who can do music because I wasn't very good at it, <laughs> but, but people who can compose and come up with all this music, it's brilliant to see their thought process and what goes on when they do this. So we've got an interview with her coming up right after this, and we're going to take another break, come back and you'll hear our chat with Laura Karpman, composer, the Disney plus series, Marvel's what if please stand by. Hey guys, this is Michael Rooker, and uh, you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Have a good time. Obviously, the Mary Poppins theme song from Michael Rooker, because he's Mary Poppins, y'all. Saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2, you'll get that. Uh, we were talking about the What If series on Disney Plus, and one of the cool things is so many of these actors are coming back to reprise their voice role. It was uh, very, very heartbreaking. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, who we lost just a little over a year ago now, uh, he'd already recorded his role as T'Challa for the What If series. So it was his his last role was this uh, posthumous role he did for the voice of his Black Panther T'Challa character in Marvel's What If. We've had four episodes so far, and the woman behind all of the music is a woman named Laura Karpman, and I actually got the chance to have a chat with her about composing the music for this awesome series. Hi, Laura. Uh, very nice to have you on. Uh, we actually had Nora on about a year ago talking about one of her projects, so now I've got oh. both of the household musical geniuses on the show. This is you brilliant. Did, you did. <laughs> you did. How great. What did she talk about? Do you remember? She was talking about Don't uh, uh, don't Look Deeper. Don't Look Deeper, yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we very had her cool. just about a year ago, so it's very nice to finally meet and chat with you. Oh, well, thanks very much. I'm glad to be here. So uh, with What If, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all of its uh, multifaceted songs, we go back to 2008, and we had uh, Ramin Jawade talk to his Iron Man. We've got, obviously, Sylvester's Avengers. With you coming into this, it's already an established universe of music, but with the What If, there is that variation that we get. So I would imagine you were given a little bit of leeway to play with the songs and music. Yeah, uh, I would say a lot of leeway. Um, basically, the idea was when we need to use themes from from MCU, we would, but we're not we're not recreating a movie. We're we're taking the films as a as a stepping point for other things, and so we reference them, and then we move on to to our to our agenda in the episode. 
And it's got to be so exciting uh, taking a project like this on that uh, the Marvel Universe is so beloved. Uh, we actually had Marvel Comics editor Tom Brevoort on the show a couple weeks ago to kind of so give neat. people a, a pre- preliminary idea of what What If was and everything like that. So yeah. coming to this as a person who's very musically minded, you you obviously probably have a bit of a, a whimsical side to be able to see this comic book universe that you're able to now play in the sandbox. Oh, I love playing in the sandbox. I've got on top of my Fender Rhodes piano are about 20 what if comic books, you know? And so it's, it's been really fun to kind of immerse myself in this world and, and work on this show, which feels to me like a, a moving, living, breathing comic book. But, you know, it also is, uh, it, it, it's a show that's got a lot of depth. It's a show that, that deals with, um, heartbreak and, and, you know, break-ins and murders and, you know, and every imaginable kind of thing that goes on. And and it's super fun to score. And the second episode was, uh, it was bittersweet because it's Chadwick Boseman's last performance that we got. And I'm tearing up just thinking about it, but getting uh, to be able to do the music for what is essentially his last thing, that had to be both a bit of a, uh, uh, a feather in the cap that you're able to do this, but also a little bit daunting, I would think too. Is that how you felt? I didn't think about it as either of those things, frankly. I thought about it as a calling and an honor. And it 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 was um he's so he's so beloved and such an important figure to so many people, um, that I was I was honored to be able to write a to give a part of what I do um to augment that artistry and and to 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 give him a send off, which is, you know, unbelievably sad. And as we go throughout these, each episode is like a little mini movie. The animation is gorgeous on this project. (laughs) And obviously the music really drives something along. I've always, I love talking to composers because like I I probably told Nora too, it's like you guys are doing a foreign language in, in mathematics at a higher level. So talk a little bit about diving into this project and kind of uh, what preconceived notions you may have have and how you're, uh, focus may have changed a little bit as you take on each episode. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, that's a great question. What preconceived notions did I have? Um, I don't, I don't know that I did. I mean, I always knew that the show was going to be wacky in its own way, you know, and that um, that we would pull from stuff, but wouldn't be wedded to it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was really, um, really an amazing thing to be able to do to to sort of grab from something, transform it. Like the first episode, taking Captain America's theme and literally making a mirror image of it for Captain Carter's theme and seeing that kind of female empowerment and seeing Steve as the skinny dude. And, you know, Peggy was like super buff and getting out there and kicking a lot of butt. But, um, you know, that's, it's, it's great to be able to score that. It's empowering to be able to score that. Um, it's fun to score the action. It's fun to score the suspense. I think this series has absolutely everything in it. So it definitely kind of, you have to dig into the well. Um, but it, that's what makes it challenging. And frankly, I like that. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to go like, you know, one, one finger down on a, on the right. keyboard. I want to be able to like write music and to and to be the maximalist that I am. And you know, the great thing about the the MCU and the people who work in it, they love music. Yeah. 
Kevin loves music. Victoria Alonso loves music. The showrunners love music. They want to hear music. They want you to write music. They want it to be thematic and complicated and harmonic and do stuff. And so it's really a gas. It's so, so super fun to do. And just looking over your incredible resume, I wish I had like half an hour to talk to you just about other projects you've done. But as a person who got their master's and doctorate from Juilliard, that's not something you just fall into. That's someone who I would think at a very early age decided I'm doing music with my life. So talk a little bit about how uh, you first got into wanting this as a career. Um, you know, when I was a kid, my mother was a, a painter and a sculptor, and she decided that music was the highest art and she wanted me to be a composer, which was pretty crazy because there were no role models out there were no women composers that I knew of, certainly none that were studied, none that were looked at. But um, I started writing music when I was young and I thought I would be a concert music composer and a professor. So um, I went and got a heavy duty education, as you noted, and I appreciate that. And then um, after I finished my doctorate, I got into the sun, the first iteration of the Sundance Labs and my world got pretty much turned upside down. Mm -hmm. And I kind of realized that um, that writing music for media really worked for me for a whole lot of reasons um, that are you know hard to go into in a short interview. But it, I loved drama. I loved plays. Um, I loved um, opera. I loved this interaction of the moving image and, and music. And so I thought, well, you know what? This works. And this is a way to be a composer, um, to work daily, to like really create stuff, um, to use the skills that I've been able to acquire and to perfect them and to keep working in them. And I've done it for a long time now and I've loved every minute of it. Almost yes. every minute. Almost every. So there, there's a couple, obviously we won't talk about the CD no. underside. Of nah, you know, not here, not here, not here, but yeah. No, I mean, not, not in this show. This show was a pleasure. Honestly, it was great. And everyone I've heard who's worked on any of these Disney Marvel projects have said the same thing. It's been, I mean, just yeah. above board, a blast, a lot of fun that, that uh, yeah. you're, you're basically, like I said, you're almost like a big kid and you get to play with these characters and especially lending the music, as you mentioned, the suspense, the action, the drama uh, with what if you're getting to hit all those notes too, which has to be no pun intended. Uh, you're hitting all those notes. That must be an amazing job as a composer. It is. And it's a, it's, it's a challenging job and it's really satisfying. And I think the reason why everybody tells you they love working on these projects is because they love music and, and nobody's telling you, Oh, less is more and all that kind of stuff. Everybody's saying more is more, 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 <laughs> give me more. And so I think that's that. I think for most composers, that's kind of what they want to be doing. At least the you know, people I know. And as someone with a Grammy under their belt, your five-time award winner, uh, just recently the 2020 Emmy Award, Primetime Emmy Award, that's got to have a little bit of uh, clout when you come into this. So do you come into this and people kind of expect a little something more? Do you feel like there's a little more pressure because you've got all this uh, these these accolades? Or is it just, I don't want to say it's just another job, but again, you just approach it like it's a new day, new job. Let's get in there and treat it as I did the last one. Yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it's it's different for me than that. I think that I had never worked in the in in the Marvel world, and I had always wanted to. And so for me, it was a real dream come true. And so it wasn't like, hey, man, I've got Emmys. You know, it was um, it was super humbling and super humbling to be able to um, participate in this world, have what I needed, have fantastic music editorial, have. Um, 
great a great orchestra great help in in making the music really happen in a big way um it, you know when you've worked in a lot of independent films and documentaries you know you're like doing it on your own and in in the marvel world you've got it, it's a family and you've got a lot of help and that's a gorgeous gorgeous thing that i really appreciate and we talked to jeremy turner because he did the score for uh, marvel 616 and it's uh-huh. just, I, I love talking composers because a lot of people, you'll watch something, and especially in a in a Disney or a Marvel thing, there's so much action going on. And like I said, these beautiful animations for What If. I feel like the the, the people who do the compo- uh, composing and everything, it's underappreciated. So what's something that you take into this that some people might not realize as an aspect of doing what you do for a project like What If? I think, you you know, film scoring is about really bringing out something that needs support in the film. And and so I think it, it and, and as I've said many times, it's this really beautiful bond you have with the audience. You know, the fact that music even exists in film, like you're sitting there, there's a conversation going on between two people and suddenly score emerges and nobody says, what's that? What's the music doing there? You know, it's like it's great. It's a it's a part of what's accepted as a part of filmmaking. And. So you have to ask yourself, why is there music here? What's the music doing for the scene? What role do you play? How can you amplify support the drama? How can you amplify support the action? What are you doing and why are you doing it? And, the, you know, those are the questions I think every composer asks before a project. And um, how they get answered is really a result of what the film needs, the taste of the composer, the experience, the taste of the showrunners. And, and that's where, it, you know, that's why you have so much wonderful individual work. Yeah, I know we're out of time. Laura Cartman, it's been brilliant to talk to you. I'd love to have both you and Nora on at the same time sometime down the road. Hey, that would be fun. We'll do it. Thanks so much. Be well. Take care. Bye-bye. There she goes, Laura Cartman. Uh, fantastic to get to talk to these people. Like I said, uh, composers, if you've listened to my show in the past, I've had composers on because uh, it's it's always fun to dig into the musical aspect, where their minds are, how they create the sound. Because I've said before, if you're watching a TV show or a movie and there's a part with no dialogue where you can just hit mute. You lose so much because the music really drives that suspense. If you're watching a movie like Halloween Kills or if you're uh, watching like a, a love story and the romance music is swelling or if you're watching an action flick and it's got that beat that's kind of driving everything along, uh, it, it loses so much without the music. So I'm very always very glad to talk to composers like Laura Cartman and my thanks to all the people at Disney Plus for arranging that interview with her. Um, on the KTRS text lines, we did get some people from Twitter at Delvin Cox said, so far I'm enjoying What If a lot. It seems like a show that has been getting better with each episode. I can't wait to see where they. I can't wait to see where they take it, and hopefully we'll get some more seasons. Uh, I can't agree more. I, I hopefully this is like I said, we've got a bunch of comic books out there. What if they're my favorite comic books? And if this kept going and we get more and more seasons, even if it's based on the MCU, because there's so many different places, a little twist could have changed an entire movie or the entire, uh, you know, phase two or whatever, depending on what you're watching. So at Delvin Cox, thank you very much for that text on the KTRS text lines. 
And we have uh, from at Deer Watchers. Obviously, they they must be liking what if that's their handle. Uh, at Deer Watchers, our favorite is episode four, the most recent, because it goes the furthest away from the world we know. I agree, and I even said earlier in the broadcast that episode four was my favorite because it felt more like a comic book. Because the comic book sometimes had dire consequences. Uh, two of the ones I posted were, what if Doctor Strange had not become a master of the mystic arts? And the other one was, what if Doctor Doom had become the master of the mystic arts? So there's a lot of different places you can just go with that in the comic book realm. But the way they took it, I don't want to spoil it if you haven't watched it yet, but the way they took it, it got very dark. And again, Benedict Cumberbatch coming back to reprise his role vocally as the Sorcerer Supreme. So that was fun. And shout out to Chance Bartels. Thank you very much for listening. He is attending Dragon Con in Atlanta, which is a huge convention, and you can hear Chance on the Nostalgic Pod Blast. Uh, so thank you very much, Chance, for the comment. Thanks for listening, and thank you to uh, Delvin Cox and Dear Watchers for sending a text on the KTRS text line. Uh, we've got a break that we need to take here, so we're going to take that break very quickly. We will be back talking more and uh, some upcoming things, what you can expect next week just some housekeeping so stick around we'll be right back here on the big 550 ktrs this is geek to me radio hi this is leslie ann brunt i play mazikeen on lucifer and you're listening to geek to me radio and lucifer is coming back for its final season on netflix that's on september the 10th So if you've been watching, originally it was on Fox, and then Fox let it go. Netflix very wisely picked it up and has had some brilliant uh, last couple of seasons here. So this will be the final season of Lucifer on Netflix, September 10th. Also to look forward to, if you have the HBO Max app, uh, you can also catch the third season of Doom Patrol, which as of now is debuting on September 23rd. That's the third season of Doom Patrol. So a lot of stuff to look forward to next month. Not the least of which to look forward to is, of course, coming up in October, Legends and Lanterns. That's right, St. Charles Legends and Lanterns Festival going on. Uh, you can check out the website. They are the premier sponsor of geek to me Radio, the Convention and Visitors Bureau. Go to discoverstcharles.com, discoverstcharles.com. There's always something fun to do. You just go to the website. There's the events tab. You can click on that. It'll have all the stuff going on this weekend. You can talk about Riverfest. There's a tab for Legends and Lanterns, Christmas Traditions, which is going to be here sooner than you think. Uh, things to do. There's Main Street, the French Town, if you like antiques and things like that. Uh, but there's different attractions. There's trip ideas, shopping, salons and spas, uh, food and drink. If you're looking for a restaurant, if you want to find someplace particular, and believe me, there's something for every taste. There is a great restaurant, no matter what you think you want. Take a walk along North and South Main Street, and you will find something to satisfy your taste buds, whether it's something uh, like pizza, something a little more upscale, if you want a steak or something like that, to uh, uh, cobbler, to salads, to barbecue. There's always something there along Main Street that no matter what you want to eat, you'll find it. Great shopping, too. These little places, these little, uh, and these are all small businesses all along here. So if you want to support small business, getting out to St. Charles would be a great way to do that. If you're from outside the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, there's a places to stay tab. You can find a hotel, a bed and breakfast, guest house and vacation rentals. So no matter what you want to do or how you want to do it, St. Charles is a great place to visit. Go to the website once again, discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically 
good time. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you to the people who sent in the text on the KTRS text line. Thank you to my guests, of course. We had Barbara Friedlander and we had uh, Laura Cartman talking all about their projects. I love talking to these people. Next week, we've got the head PR guy from Boulevard Brewing. So if you're a beer geek, next week's going to be a pretty cool show to listen to. We'll talk about some of the promotions they've got, uh, some of their brands and things like that that they are working on. And uh, the fall, it's beer season. As you all know, Oktoberfest. They don't call it that for no reason. So tune in next week. And again, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GeeksMeRadio, Facebook.com slash Geeks Me Radio, give the page a like. Find me on YouTube. We just uploaded three new interviews up there on YouTube. You can check those out. YouTube, find Geeks Me Radio. Until next week, my friends. Not in the way you play Mario Kart. It's not in the way you look when you make him a throw trap and says, That's a show. This is Geek Tell Me Radio. That's a show. Good night. Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.